I need to know, right now on your phone, are you subscribed to our podcast? I don't think I am. We should fix that right now. You're right. So pull out your phone. All right, I'm on it. Open the podcast app. All right. Listeners at home, do this Do this along with us. Agreed. Click the add new podcast. Yep. The little, little magnifying glass. Type footnotes. Footnotes podcast or just footnotes because they both come up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do footnotes podcast. There it is. We're on my phone. I'm on my phone. You're on my phone. Here, I'm hitting it. Subscribe. Nice. Yes, don't hit it twice because then you'll undo all that hard work that you just did. Do you see episode three, First John 2, 1 through 3 on their list? Um, no, I don't. Because we're recording it right now. Boom. Cue the music. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Welcome to the podcast. This is Justin and Rusty, and you're listening to Footnotes. Okay, so I need to insert a warning right here. I made a mistake. So when we recorded this, I used my laptop microphone instead of my podcasting microphone. And so the audio sounds terrible. So if you're the type of person that would really be upset by that kind of thing, that it would really bother you, I really recommend you just stop the podcast right now. But with that said, I think we cover some good topics and it's pretty fun. So if you don't mind and can forgive me, please enjoy the rest of this episode. Okay, back to the music. I'm excited about this one. I feel good. I feel like I'm in the zone. You feel like you're starting a new chapter. I was going to say I'm like Michael Jordan on a basketball court, but I think about who Michael Jordan has, has become lately in the eyes of the public, and I, I don't know if I really want to. I only know him as a basketball player, a failed baseball player, and the Haynes model. Oh, right, yeah. Has he, has he done worse stuff? Uh, well, he just, in his older age, um, just said some things in the media that has that made him to be a little arrogant. Um just about being, you know, the best ever that nobody has ever been close to or will ever be close to, like, his playing ability. And he did say something about just how basketball, um, he doesn't really know what to do with life after basketball. That that was what drove him. And it's a really interesting uh, perspective on idolatry, actually. Um, yeah. You know, maybe he listens to our podcast. Maybe he should listen to our podcast. Maybe he should. That's right. Did you did you hear my joke about starting a new chapter? I haven't. I haven't heard this joke. Oh, no, I said it earlier. Oh. You said you were in the zone, and I said, do you feel like you're starting a new chapter in life? <laughs> I am. A new chapter in life and a new chapter in this podcast. First John 2, verse 1. My little children. I really like this phrase um, because as you read through, we talked a little bit last week about the word liar and you could come across reading this book as maybe even harsh in tone, but then he, he has phrases like this, my little children. I think it's just important because it reveals his heart 
for who he's writing to, like a father to a son. I'll read the whole verse. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So this is something I was thinking about, not to, not to throw you off. No, go, go. But one of the decisions at some point we may have to justify to all those listening is mm-hmm. why we typically read from the ESV. Yeah. And I noticed you just now read from the Holman I instead did. of the ESV. <laughs> yeah. So you really mixed it up. People are going to be like, so confused. I did. Well, I like reading from different translations. It gives you kind of multiple perspectives on the same verse to make sure you're interpreting it correct. So continue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. We're not going to justify the ESV selection. I don't currently. think we have to do it now. I just think, you know, we have a website now and yeah. a Facebook page that we'll plug later that we may get people be like, why you use ESV? Okay. So my little children, right? We see this in uh, at the very beginning of the verse. I just really think it's an important phrase to catch because it kind of sets the, the tone or the theme of John writing to people as his children, like a father to his son. And as you, as we talked about in the last podcast, um, he uses the word liar. It's kind of a, a very direct term. And it kind of draws a line in the sand. And you can take that as a harsh rebuke or a harsh tone. But I think we come back to the, this phrase, my little children, it just reminds us that John has a lot of love for people that he's writing to. And he, he's really writing with the affection of a father um, not the liar mentality. Sometimes I can live like God constantly has his finger on the smite button and he's watching my life and he's just like, yeah, oh, oh there he goes, you know, and just poosh, strikes me with lightning. I just have to remember that that's, that's not really the tone with which much of the Bible is written. It's actually a really fatherly tone. John's writing this when he's uh, advanced in years. You know, he's mm-hmm. pretty old and he's writing to people that by age wise could be his children. These people are definitely would look up to him as an elder. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's really appropriate that he, he says, my little children, and he does it throughout the whole book. And like that, like a father looking after his children, the things he admonishes for them are not just rules for the sake of rules. But John says, I, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin because I don't, I don't want you to sin. I have your best interests at heart. I, I want to see you thrive as children. I want to see you um, live in the light. I want to see you blessed. I don't want to see you go the way of darkness. And, you know, sin leads to death in a spiritual sense, but it also leads to death in a practical sense. And so I have, I have two little children, and as I instruct them and, you know, encourage them and want to train them to walk in the light, to not sin. It's not just because of some spiritual offense to God, which is very real and is very important. Not only does sinning and living righteously please God, but it also is the way that God structured the world to work. So when you're generous to people instead of selfish, and when you're um, when you speak highly of people instead of tearing people down, when you give instead of take, Life goes better for you in a real sense because God structured the world that way. And so John, I think, has both of these things at heart where he says, I don't want you to sin because it's offense to God, but I also don't want you to sin because you're my children and I love you and I want to see you do well in life. It's good for me to remember that when um, I feel like doing something that he's calling me not to do, to remember that he actually knows better. And like a child to their parent, the parent knows better despite the child's desire 
to do the thing, the very thing they're asking them not to do. Yeah, a sin is rebellion. Mm-hmm. And what rebellion is, I see it in my little two-year-old. When she's not rebelling, she's like, I trust you, Daddy. And she doesn't say this because she doesn't know these words yet. <laughs> yeah. But this is like what her heart is. I trust you, Daddy. And so if, if you say, you know, watch out, I'm going to, you know, be a little cautious. But if I'm being rebellious, she's like, I don't. I don't trust that what you say is best for me. I'm going to do it my own way because I think I know what's best for me. And then she'll fall and get hurt. And then and the, the last part of this verse is just so great because it says, but if you do sin because you're gonna, <laughs> you know, Jesus has your back. And it's like, it's a sweet relief um, because I now uh, you know, trust Jesus and I, I'm doing my best not to sin. But even doing my best not to sin, I, I F plus fail at this all the time. Yeah, and you you switched from the ESV to the Holman and then to the Rusty version. Uh, another translation might say, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Yeah. I mean, your translation is, is valid, too. <laughs> yeah. What, what, uh, when you hear the word advocate, what do, what do you think of? Uh, so the ESV study Bible... Uh, So it says that Jesus Christ is our advocate. And what that means is he's taking up the cause of believers in the presence of God the Father. You see that word advocate and always associate that with the phrase the devil's advocate. And so, gosh, we don't want to get there. So uh, I just want to kind of clarify advocate because uh, sometimes we can get in this, this way of reading the Bible where we've heard these words, we've seen these words, but we don't actually stop and think about what they, what they mean. And so, well, yeah, take that phrase devil's advocate. So if someone's making a point and you say, well, let me just be the devil's advocate. And then you go on to explain the counterpoint. What you're doing is you're saying, let me speak up for the other side of this conversation. Yeah. The opposing side. Well, yeah. So the devil's advocate is the opposing side, but what Jesus Christ is doing as our advocate is he's saying, before the presence of God the Father, let me speak up for my my brothers and sisters. And I think that leads perfectly into verse 2 where he says, He, Jesus, himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And, and, and like that, a one-two punch of a good boxer, he throws propitiation at you. And then you get me, he's like, what does propitiation mean? And so I took a poll in my head and found that 1% of the planet knows what this word means. What does it mean, Justin? Sometimes I like to look up these type of, you know, big religious words in non-religious dictionaries because they kind of take out some of the, they take out that spiritual overcoat. It said a propitiation is an offering given to satisfy an angry, offended party, uh, which helps a little bit. So a religious definition might say, you know, an offering given to satisfy God's wrath. Right. But if you say an angry, offended party, I thought about uh, car insurance and that car insurance is a propitiation. Do you want, do you okay. want to know why? Keep, yeah, keep, keep going. <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law, Debbie, who listens. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Deb. Uh, her car was recently like sideswiped or, you know, someone backed up in a parking lot and cranked the side of her car and, you know, left this big gouge and then drove off. And, and she was offended, not, not, not like, but she was the offended party. She was angry, you know, like, why did this person do this? And then they left. And so she was in that, that state of being the angry offended party. So eventually they were able to find the car that hit them and talk to them. And the guy fessed up and, and has, car insurance. And so his insurance is going to pay 
for the damage done to the car. And so the car insurance is a propitiation because it's an offering given to satisfy my mother-in-law's offense, her her anger, not anger. Wrath. Her wrath, wrath. yeah. So she was upset that this happened, and the guy says, I can't unhit your car, but here's an offering. My car insurance will pay to have it fixed. That is a propitiation. Got it. Well, it seems like you had a lot better luck than I did in, getting, in gaining clarity. I, I tried to get all smart and go back to the original language. Uh, and so I looked up the Hebrew word, and it's uh, hilasmos. Hilasmos. Um, and then the definition that that gave uh, was uh, atonement and expi- expiator. And I was like, God, oh, what? I mean, two more words. I'm not exactly sure what they mean. And so... Uh, so again, this isn't an ad for the ESV Study Bible, but if they would like to sponsor us, I'm going to go ahead and reference them again. The ESV Study Bible said that uh, it's a sacrifice that bears God's wrath, like you were talking about, and turns it to favor. So not only does it satisfy um, God's punishment or anger or wrath, uh, but it also then gets you on his good side. So it kind of goes one step further. And then I was like, ah, finally, words I can understand. So I thought that was pretty clarifying for this big word is a very simple, straightforward definition of what Jesus does for us uh, in regards of our sinful condition or, or in regards to our sin. And then it goes on and says, uh, he himself is the propitiation for our sins not only for our sins, but also for those of the whole world. Yeah. Uh, so does whole world mean everyone? Yeah. Like for real? I like mean, everybody? Your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter. Bully down the street, murderer, thief, liar, rapist, child molester. Yeah. So is it is it truly for everybody? Can anybody uh, accept this, this uh, deliverance? I think we have to talk about this. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay, this is basically the concept of limited atonement. There's an axiom that says Christ's atonement was sufficient for all, but efficient only for some. R.C. Sproul goes on and he says, what does this mean? The Calvinist would interpret, I don't want to read all this. R.C. Sproul uh, explains it this way. So the Calvinist would interpret it by saying Christ's atonement was sufficient, i.e. it's available, it's strong enough for anyone and everyone, but it's only efficient for the elect. And that means it only does work for the elect. So the atonement Mm -hmm. is sufficient for everyone, but it only applies to the elect, is what the Calvinist Mm -hmm. would say. The Arminian would also agree with this, or the non-Calvinist, but they say it's slightly different. So his atonement was good enough to save everyone, Um, And it was intended to make salvation possible for everyone. But as an Arminian or a non-Calvinist, that intent is only realized by someone who makes the act of faith. Right. So limited atonement, uh, Greg Kokel, the stand to reason guy, makes Mm -hmm. really tries to disarm this bomb by saying it this way. What does atonement mean? Atonement means your sins have been atoned for, i.e., you are no longer under the penalty of sin, i.e. you get to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Orthodox Christianity teaches not everyone goes to heaven. Unless you're a universalist, there are some people who do not go to heaven. Who's, there are some people whose sins are not atoned for, 
i.e. atonement is limited in that sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to pull it all together, when this says Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world, that it's not a controversial statement. It's just how you how you want to parse that a little bit, you know, may depend if you're on the Calvinist side or the Arminian side. But we know that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Right. So my question was, why do you think John is telling them how they can be sure they have come to know him? It's something we all as believers want to know. We put our faith in Christ. And then as life goes on, you start to say, how do I know? You know, we all have doubts, which are Mm -hmm. natural. and, And God is not a God who can't handle our doubts. In fact, in a way, he wrote a whole book of the Bible. One of the major themes of 1 John is, it says in in chapter 5, I'm writing this so that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, And here in verse 3, this is how you can be sure that you have come to know him, by keeping his commands. John is writing to them that they may be sure, because it's a very natural thing to not be sure, to to have those moments where you're just like, I don't know, like intellectually maybe... Yeah, but I don't feel it. Or maybe the opposite. I feel it, but I'm starting to have these intellectual doubts. So this verse it is comforting, um, but it's also uh, a little chilling. When I think about my own life, you know, this is, you're sure you've come to know him. Of course, we all want to know if we've come to know him, because if we know him, we have eternal life. And if you really want eternal life, you want to make sure that you're in, right? I mean, because <laughs> the opposite of eternal life is hell. And we obviously don't want that. And so... I'm glad that he's giving clarity as to how you can be sure that you've come to know him. Now, the, the challenging part is it's by keeping his commands. Well, um, I am not awesome. So when I'm in these times of oh, keeping his commands, uh, knowing him, uh, it's pretty sweet that he's already just talked about, well, it's it's my faith in Jesus, my faith in his propitiation or satisfaction of God's anger for my sin on the cross, and then which puts me into God's favor. So that's what, what gains me heaven. Um, but I, I prove that I know him. I can be sure that I've come to know him by trying to keep his commands. I, I'm kind of kind of changed some of the language in here, but I don't think it's, I think it's in line with what he's saying. Yeah, we is, talked about this last week too. Um, we yeah. said you to, to walk in the light, uh, you don't have to live perfectly. That's not what that means. Yeah, he's already said that. You know, just just in verse what one or two. If you do sin, then you're okay. We've got yeah. an advocate. We have an advocate, and so we have someone pleading on our behalf. Like it's it's Jesus' work on the cross that gets us into heaven. But we try to live for him by keeping his commands. We try to live as if we know him by living how he asks us to live, right? And so, not that we have to do this perfectly, because you know he makes we have an advocate if we sin, but. Um, I think this looks like trying to or fighting to live according to the way he commands. And for me, this this kind of often feels like dying, right? I mean, do I really love others is more important um, than myself when the last soda is in the refrigerator and like, hmm, my wife might want that, you know, <laughs> or, um, or, or when we're in an argument and I go all robot voice on her because I have these verses in my head that say a soft word turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up anger. A fool gives full vent to his anger. Um, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And, right? and so I'm just I'm fighting in those moments. So I take all emotion and tone out of my voice and say, 
I'm sorry for what I did. It is my fault that I said the wrong... Right, and so... Was that robot voice? It is, it's, it's kind of monotone robot voice. I just, I take all, um, anything that makes me human out of it and I just try and get the words out because I know, I know it's what I need to say despite feeling the complete opposite. Well, so here's a different way to look at it. Uh, this is how you can be sure that you have come to know him by keeping his commands. So you can look at it in, in your sense, and I think, I think that's right. You try and fight to live according to the way he commands but how about this way? Why do you want to do that? You find in yourself that your desires are changed and that there is a fight. When you're not fighting to live according to his commandments, but you just do it because that's what you want to do. Hey, why did you give that guy on the street some extra money? Like you needed that money. Like I just wanted to. Like you are obeying God's command, not because you want to, but you find yourself doing it naturally. Yeah. You know, you could say a confirmation bias where I'm not, I'm not sure I come to know him because I can remember all these times where I struggle and fail with sin. But if you were to write down all of your choices and like put a check in a box, if it was obeying God's command or sinning. And if you look at that list, I bet believers tend. And as the process of sanctification goes along, they find themselves just living out God's commands as this new nature takes hold. And so when you find yourself doing the right thing or really wanting to do the right thing in a given situation, that's maybe that's what John's saying is you can be sure that you are redeemed, that you've been regenerate because you are living out your new nature in a way that someone that is not regenerate, who only has a sin nature would never think to do. I think that's pretty interesting that you go back to desire because you get, I bet there are people now sitting in, you know, wherever they're sitting, listening to this or back then sitting in the church that were like, oh, well, I, th- I thought I knew him, but actually I have zero desire to keep his commands. <laughs> you know, I mean, there were people that thought they were in the faith by just participating. Um, but he's clarifying for those, you know, he's hitting both sides. He's saying for those of you that keep sinning, messing up, but you desire to obey God, well, that you you know that you're you know him, you know that you're in the light. Uh, but for those of you that are here uh, and you're sinning, but you just don't even have a desire to please God or to obey His commands, well, you probably you might not know him. Right? It's it's kind of a clarifying statement uh, as to where each person is sitting in the room based on their desires to either try and live for Jesus or they don't even really care what Jesus says. They're not even worried about it. Well, Rusty, that's that's all we're going to do today, uh, but we do have some exciting things to plug. We are now on Facebook. We are on the Facebook. Uh, it's at facebook.com slash footnotes podcast, all one where you can get uh, all three of our podcasts <laughs> online, and you can thumb up us. You can like us on Facebook, so we would encourage you to do so and to share all of our stuff multiple times. Multiple times. We also have an email, podcast at footnotes.fm. And our new website, footnotes.fm. You can subscribe to our email list and get new episodes delivered straight to your inbox. Perfect, because it's free. It's the gift that keeps giving. And you should be thankful for it. That's right, because it's Thanksgiving next week. Woo! So, we're, yes. so we won't have a new episode next week. So have a great time with your families. Um, tell them about our podcast. If it comes up naturally, or make it come up yeah, unnaturally. Force it awkwardly we'd be thankful for that like uh you know there's this thing that i listen to it's it's kind of good
Yeah, it's only the best podcast ever. I've only ever listened to one podcast, though. And they only have three episodes, but it's up there. What is Serial?